Good morning. It's Wednesday. Chaos on Capitol Hill. Republicans turn on each other and Congress grinds to a halt. It is October 4th. This is today. House divided. Rebel Republicans depose their own speaker, a first in U.S. history. Kevin McCarthy out in less than nine months, blasting his political enemies. You all know Matt Gates. You know it was personal. I haven't heard him say one true thing yet. Straight ahead, what's next with no plan, no clear successor, and the GOP still deeply divided with the next potential government shutdown now just weeks away. We're live in Washington. Breaking overnight, campus shooting, gunfire erupts at a college in Baltimore. Multiple people shot, the school placed on lockdown, and this morning the gunman still on the loose. Decision Day. Hospitals, doctors' offices, and pharmacies bracing for the impact of the nation's largest health care strike ever. Just this morning, tens of thousands of workers from coast to coast walking off the job. We'll have the very latest. Remarkable rescue. New details on the kidnapping ordeal faced by that nine-year-old girl abducted on a bike ride. The range of emotions were... You know, tremendous, to shock, to anger. What her family is saying this morning and the unanswered questions about the suspect. You want to make sure that he's not connected with any other cases. Where the investigation stands just ahead. All that plus hot flashes. Fall may be here, but the temperatures are rising up to 30 degrees higher than normal for millions of Americans. Al's got your full forecast. And flipping out. Simone Biles leading Team USA in its quest for gold at the World Gymnastics Championship. And we're there live today, Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuffey, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Today. It is nice to have you with us on a busy Wednesday morning. We are also watching this. The scene in Baltimore this morning, police, they are still searching for a gunman. Five people were shot, leaving a homecoming celebration at Morgan State University. We have details straight ahead. But first, our top story, Capitol Hill at a standstill this morning after Kevin McCarthy was ousted from his role as Speaker of the House by fellow Republicans. That unprecedented vote, leaving the future of the speakership in question. And this morning, there's no clear front runner to replace him. The move was led by eight hard right Republicans, all because of a new rule that allows just one member to put forth the motion to remove the speaker. In fact, that rule was part of the compromise that got McCarthy the gavel back in January. Well, we've got complete coverage this morning, including what it means for the future of the House, the Republican Party, the next election, and yes, for you. We'll start with NBC's Garrett Hake on Capitol Hill. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. It really was a stunning and historic moment here on Capitol Hill. Never before in the history of the Republic have we seen a speaker voted out of his job on the House floor. Now, McCarthy says he won't speak, seek the speakership again, and he's blaming Democrats and those Republican rebels for his fall. Today, the Republican-led House in chaos, with no permanent speaker and no clear frontrunner for the job. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Now former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy ousted by a group of eight far-right rebels joined by all Democrats. If I lose my job, 
over doing what I truly believe what's right, I'm very at peace with it. McCarthy saying he won't run for speaker again, pinning blame on the opposition party and on his GOP opponents, led by Florida conservative firebrand Matt Gates. You all know Matt Gates. You know it was personal. I haven't heard him say one true thing yet. Speaker McCarthy's time is over. I have no personal animus to him. I, I hope he finds fruitful pastures. In January, Gates was the last GOP holdout to oppose making McCarthy speaker, ultimately voting present on the 15th ballot. To placate critics, McCarthy made key concessions, including lowering the number of votes required to start the process to oust a speaker to just one. Last week, after McCarthy relied on Democrats to temporarily avoid a government shutdown, Gates vowed to try to remove him. McCarthy's response, bring it on. We heard Speaker McCarthy say that uh, he wanted us to bring it on, so I guess we did. House Democrats vowing to stay out of the GOP civil war made no effort to bail out McCarthy. That just nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. Nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. Nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. And why should we? A long line of McCarthy allies denouncing the revolt. Even former President Trump saying on social media, why is it that Republicans are always fighting among themselves? And Congress is headed home for the week without a clear leader for the majority party, in chaos brought about by eight of its members. And until the House votes on a permanent speaker, North Carolina Republican Patrick McHenry will serve on a temporary basis. And in one of his first official acts, he revoked the use of office space in the Capitol for former Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi's office said Pelosi, of course, missed yesterday's vote. She was in San Francisco to be with the family of the late Senator Feinstein. Savannah. All right, Garrett Haig on Capitol Hill. Let's get more on the fallout. What's next? NBC's senior Washington correspondent Hallie Jackson with us. Hi, Hallie. Good morning. Does not seem like there was a larger plan here about what happens the next day today. And you got to wonder who on earth would want this job when they face the exact same dynamic that Kevin McCarthy did, where you've got the hardliners on the right. right who will be mad the minute he has to govern in divided government. I asked that very question to some Republicans about who actually wants to be Speaker of the House now, right? Because the question becomes, um, what kind of deals does that person then have to make to get that job in the first place? Because you're right, the dynamics of the House are going to stay the dynamics in the House, meaning you will have this group of conservative hardliners who will want to see uh, muscles flexed on their behalf. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have moderates who are sitting in these swing districts who are essentially clinging to their seats with this razor-thin House majority. So for these so-called Republican rebels, very few political consequences for them back home in their districts, which, by the way, that's where they're all headed now with House, the House members basically out for the rest of the week. When you're winning your district by 60 plus points, you have to worry less about the, the sort of reelection piece of it. Unlike those moderates uh, the, on the other end of the spectrum who are scraping just to get their seat back here. And so that's the dynamic that is still going to be a play no matter who the next speaker is. I've heard names Steve Scalise, for example, the current number two in the House. Jim Jordan, for example, who very conspicuously did not rule out the potential that he might want to be speaker. We're just not going to know for at least a week, Savannah. And that's a big concern right now. Just, it's just a super hard job. I mean, I, that is why McCarthy, for example, made this deal to keep the government open, because if you shut it down, he feared you, you lose those Republicans that are very vulnerable and their seats, and then you lose the House entirely and Republicans aren't in charge anymore. But how much of this, Tally, was unique to Kevin McCarthy? I mean, the, the conservative right wing never liked him. And then Democrats looked at it and said, why should we try to save you? They have their own but beefs. 
Well, and, and they very much refused to bail him out here, Savannah. Their beef dates back to the days after January 6th, when they felt like Kevin McCarthy basically, in some ways, bailed out Donald Trump politically by helping to revive him after the attack on the Capitol. But there's a whole string of incidents that they're pointing to, not just the impeachment inquiry against President Biden, for example, which they felt like was just a total political process here. But go back to what happened in May, when the conversations you and I were having were about avoiding what would have been an economically catastrophic default on our debt, right? Kevin McCarthy, President Biden made a deal. Six weeks later, Democrats felt like McCarthy absolutely went back on that deal when it came to some budgeting processes that that happened on the Hill. That was a huge, huge issue for Democrats here. And then look at Sunday after the government stayed open after that deal to keep the government running and the lights on. Kevin McCarthy went out, Democrats point to, on the Sunday shows and slammed Democrats, blamed them for what happened as it related to the shutdown. That was, in, in the conversations that we've been having, the final straw, it seems like, for a lot of Democrats. It was cited by people. They felt like it was just enough was enough for Kevin McCarthy. He made his bed and he needed to lie in it. By, by the way, I mean, stop me if you've seen this movie before, but there's another government shutdown looming in about five, six weeks. So, I mean, Congress is at a halt right now. The House, the House can't do anything until they elect another speaker and it's not clear who the next speaker is. Yeah, they're totally paralyzed. And by the way, it's also not clear when they're going to elect a new speaker. I know the thinking is that potentially a week from today, you could see somebody internally in the House of Representatives emerging to take that spot. Well, listen, between now and then, there is no government funding deadline, right? There's no imminent thing that's happening on the Hill. The question is, what happens if if this stretches longer? There's also concern that Republicans are talking about. What message does this dysfunction send, not just to the rest of America? As you know, trusting Congress is already basically on the floor, but internationally to allies. And on top of that, as you know, Savannah, in Washington, the unexpected, what happens if there is some crisis unforeseen between now and when there is a Speaker of the House? Congress is not functioning at the moment. Yeah. And that's just scary. Hallie, thank you very much. Let's move now to that breaking news out of Baltimore overnight. Five people hurt in a shooting on the campus of Morgan State University. Officials have canceled classes for today. The suspect, by the way, still at large. NBC's Ken Delanian is there for us. Hey, Ken, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. Yeah, here at Morgan State University, it's homecoming week. It's supposed to be a time of celebration for students, but that was interrupted by a terrifying shooting that drew police and SWAT teams to campus overnight. This morning, uh, the entire city of Baltimore's heart aches uh, for the Morgan community. In Maryland this morning, a community reeling and students wounded, but alive, and police still searching for a suspect. After a mass shooting during Morgan State University's homecoming week, injured five people, including four students between the ages of 18 and 22. Police say the victims were taken to a hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Officers responding to gunshots on campus overnight. They heard discharge and responded to the scene, located uh, multiple victims, multiple windows shattered, um, shattered and made our officers believe possibly we had an active shooter. The campus of the historically black university put on lockdown for the next two and a half hours. We saw all the police cars and the ambulance and then we saw the SWAT team running. The panic shortly after the homecoming coronation of Miss and Mr. Morgan State University. Uh, this was an unbelievably beautiful event this evening. This is the third year in a row that a shooting incident has marred Morgan State's homecoming celebrations. And it follows other shootings on college campuses this year, including at the University of North Carolina this summer, where a graduate student was charged with killing a faculty member. 
Baltimore's mayor with a national message overnight. We have to stop saying not one more. We need action now. When will the sanctity of American lives and the sanctity of American college students and students who get their education outweigh the sanctity of American guns? Now, the details of this shooting are unclear, but a Baltimore city councilman tweeted overnight that police told him they believe there were three separate shooters. With classes canceled here today, Hoda, everyone just thankful that the victims survived. Yeah, indeed. All right, Ken Delanian for us there on the campus. Ken, thank you. Also this morning, there's another potential major strike to tell you about. More than 75,000 Kaiser Permanente employees could walk off the job today all across the country. This would be the largest healthcare strike in U.S. history. NBC's Tom Costello joins us from Springfield, Virginia this morning. So what do we expect to happen here? What's at the heart of the strike? We've already got optometrists here as well as uh, pharmacists who are striking in front of this facility here in Springfield. And this could, in fact, grow, as you mentioned, to become the biggest health care strike in U.S. history. They've been working for months to try to settle or come to an agreement, but their contract actually expired on Saturday. Uh, health care workers accuse Kaiser, they say, of negotiating in bad faith over some of their serious concerns. They say staffing levels are really primary. They say that that has come at the expense of Kaiser's profits or their staffing levers have come with increased Kaiser profits. Uh, And they say workers are demanding better pay as well. Uh, Importantly, Kaiser says it provides about 13, it it serves 13 million patients in eight states across the country. And this strike could include support staff. So we're talking, for example, surgical and lab techs, as well as medical assistants, pharmacy workers, as I mentioned, among others. Doctors are not part of the strike. We want to make sure that we stress that. Kaiser says, though, the strike is not justified. Kaiser is saying that it has a leg up with its workers on compensation compared to other uh, competitors, that its its workers do better than competitors. But it says folks are ongoing, the talks are ongoing, and it says that there are several agreements over specific issues that have already been addressed and agreed to. Nonetheless, as you can see, the strike is now beginning, and it likely is going to spread throughout the day. Savannah. All right, Tom Costello right there on the picket line. Thank you, Tom. It is day three of the civil fraud uh, lawsuit against Donald Trump right here in New York. And now he says he does plan to testify at some point. The judge also has placed a gag order on the former president. NBC senior legal correspondent Laura Jarrett joins us now with more. Laura, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. With the financial stakes of this trial so high, there's bound to be some heated days in court. But so far, it's what's happening outside of the courtroom that's causing all the drama. In a Manhattan courtroom, Donald Trump's financial statements back on trial this morning. But it's Mr. Trump's increasingly inflammatory comments and social media posts outside of court that's landing him in hot water with the judge, who will decide the penalty for his namesake company, found liable of engaging in brazen financial fraud. This trial is a rigged trial. It's a fraudulent trial. Frankly, you saw what was just put out about Schumer and the principal clerk, that is disgraceful. What was put out by Mr. Trump himself, a photo since taken down of the judge's law clerk posing with Democratic Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the unmistakable suggestion that Mr. Trump can't get a fair shake at trial as he continues to rail against the case as politically motivated, causing Judge Angoran to hand down a limited gag order. Mr. Trump now banned from talking about court staff. But continuing to attack New York's Attorney General, Letitia James. Any comment on the gag order? 
her office walking the judge through hours of Mr. Trump's finances in painstaking detail as it tries to prove the Trump organization and its executives intentionally falsified their business records in the hopes of securing favorable loan terms and insurance rates. While Mr. Trump's legal team argues the state cannot prove any intent to defraud. Yet on the witness stand, Mr. Trump's longtime accountant at Mazars admitted that the Trump organization didn't provide his firm with all of the necessary records to accurately complete the financial statement so central to the case. It is the defendant's and the defendants alone, who provided the numbers, the data, and the false valuations. Also central to the case, the Republican presidential frontrunner, opting to step off the campaign trail, back in court today, saying he too will take the stand. Mr. Trump, will you be testifying? Yes, I will. At the appropriate time, I will be. Now, in reality, Mr. Trump's testimony is still weeks away here. The next major witness to take the stand, likely his company's chief financial officer, who went to prison briefly for tax-related crimes, and Mr. Trump has said was helping to prepare the financial statements that are so contested in this case, guys. All right. right. Long road there, Laura. Thank you. If you have a cell phone, which is just about everybody watching, probably you would definitely want to hear this. Later today, your phone is going to get an emergency alert, but don't worry. It's only a test. This alert is scheduled to go off at 2.20 Eastern time. The message will be sent to all cell phones, TVs, and radios. This is part of a joint operation between FEMA and the FCC. The federal agencies want to make sure the emergency systems are still working effectively. They're primarily used, of course, to send notifications about severe weather, safety threats, and amber alerts. Yeah, when your phone buzzes like that for an amber alert or a weather threat, yes. you go, oh my gosh, is everything okay? But at 220, it will be. Yes. It's only a test. Okay. All right. Mr. Roker, how about a check? Remember when you were kids? Oh, yes. your favorite TV show. Uh-huh. I'm oh, sorry. I'm- uh-huh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dogs are barking somewhere right now. Hey, we got a big area of high pressure over the Northeast, and it's pumping up warm air. Record highs expected today from Alpena, Michigan, Muskegon, Buffalo, Rochester, Burlington, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Tomorrow, those temperatures are going to be anywhere from 10 to 30 degrees above average, but then they'll take a bit of a dip. Some of these warmest cities are going to be looking at temperatures that are more typical for mid-July than we are for early October. Then here comes that cold front. Temperatures turn sharply colder. For example, Green Bay will take a 14-degree drop to 57 on by Friday, 11-degree drop in Minneapolis down to 51, uh, Wichita 64, St. Louis 69. In fact, look at this, mid-50s in Chicago by this weekend, New York into the low 60s. We're talking temperatures 10 to 20 degrees below average, more typical for mid to late November. And that is your latest weather, guys. Don't do that tone thing anymore again. Yeah. No, okay, I shouldn't have said, why did I say it? Don't ever no, 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 just ahead, guys. We've got, there he goes again. Uh-huh. Just ahead, guys. This is a case we follow very closely. After the abduction and safe return of that nine-year-old girl here in New York, we will find out what is the latest on this case with Kathy Park. Hi, Kathy. Hey, Savannah, good morning to you. Happy to report that Charlotte Senna is back home with her family. Her alleged kidnapper is now behind bars. Coming up, we'll have much more on the active investigation, plus details on that ransom note left behind at Charlotte's home. All right, Kathy, thank you. Plus, we're learning more about the arrest nearly 30 years in the making and the murder of rap icon Tupac Shakur. The suspect facing a judge today will have a live report. But first, this is Today on NBC.
When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed it's teachers week and so we have a teacher here who's going to uh handle the puzzle board duties. She is the uh, 2023 California Teacher of the Year. Please welcome Bridget Donald Blue. Way to go, Bridget. All right, we're back. That's last night's very special letter turner on the Wheel of Fortune, California's reigning Teacher of the Year. She filled in for Vanna White. Vanna was out sick. Um, first of all, how awesome that it's Teacher's Week and she got the spotlight. So happy for her. Craig's out. Chanel is in. And by the way, Miss Vanna White, is going to be here on Monday. What, really? Yes, we have Vanna. That's so that's fun. I've never met her. Have you ever met icon. her? No, no I can't that's incredible. Wait to talk have you ever met her? her? I've never met oh her. Oh my that's gosh, good. that's going to be good. Uh, we got a very busy half hour ahead. We're going to start with new details on that incredible rescue of nine-year-old Charlotte Cena in upstate New York. Her family is now speaking out. Her alleged abductor behind bars charged with first-degree kidnapping. NBC's Kathy Park has the very latest. Kathy, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning to you. The suspect, Craig Nelson Ross Jr., is being held without bail. And Charlotte's family, they are so grateful for the massive response that brought their little girl home. But this morning, there are growing questions as to whether Charlotte was targeted or taken randomly. This morning, new details coming into focus after the remarkable rescue of nine-year-old Charlotte Senna, who vanished from a park in upstate New York while camping with her family. I was shocked. Police releasing this mugshot of 46-year-old Craig Nelson Ross Jr., who's accused of kidnapping Charlotte and leaving a ransom note at her family's home. According to an arraignment memo, the suspect wanted money in exchange for Charlotte's return. He's now in jail without bail, charged with first-degree kidnapping, and authorities say additional charges are likely. There's still a lot of searches underway. The, the home that he was registered to, a lot of information, uh, and so... You want to make sure that he's not connected with any other cases. Authorities say Ross Jr. left behind his fingerprint on the ransom note, a critical clue that matched a 1999 DWI. The breakthrough allowed SWAT teams to zero in on a camper behind the suspect's mother's home. That's where they found the girl, hidden inside a cupboard. Investigators combing through the scene Tuesday, collecting evidence. She appeared to be outwardly physically unharmed. At the time, Charlotte's family telling NBC News, we are thrilled that she is home and we understand that the outcome is not what every family gets. At least 400 people worked around the clock to find the fourth grader, including members of the Schenectady Fire Department. Fire Chief Don Moreno says the case was personal because Charlotte's uncle is one of their own. 
everybody was concerned, everybody was upset. The range of emotions were, you know, tremendous, to shock, to anger. Now relief and gratitude with Charlotte back in the arms of family. The outcome was great and everybody's elated today. And the suspect's next court date is scheduled for later on this month. NBC News has reached out to his attorney, but we are still waiting for a response. Savannah. All right, Kathy, thank you very much. Meantime, the man who police and prosecutors say orchestrated the murder of rap legend Tupac Shakur, a case that's, by the way, gone unsolved for 27 years now, is set to make his first court appearance today. NBC's Miguel Almaguer joins us with new details in this case. Miguel, good morning. Hi, guys. Good morning. After nearly three decades, investigators have charged Dwayne Davis with murder, saying he was inside the car that opened fire on Tupac Shakur back in 1996. It was Davis's own words that led to his arrest. And now, as he's expected in court today, we're seeing new evidence for the first time. The evidence shown to the grand jury includes surveillance video of Tupac Shakur leaving a casino shortly before he was gunned down and new photos of the crime scene, the rapper's bullet-riddled car. Investigators say it helped lead to the arrest of the man they say orchestrated the drive-by shooting, self-described gang member Dwayne Davis, making his first court appearance today. For 27 years, the family of Tupac Shakur has been waiting for justice. Investigators say it was Davis's own words that reinvigorated their case. Some of his previous interviews, like in this BET documentary, shared with the grand jury. While detectives do not believe Davis was the shooter, he has long admitted he was inside the gunman's car when shots were fired. Wayne Davis was the shot caller for this group of individuals that committed this crime, and he orchestrated the plan. Police say the shooting was in retaliation for this brawl, in which Tupac and record executive Suge Knight were seen beating up Davis's nephew, Orlando Anderson, who was said to be the alleged gunman. The dueling parties affiliated with gangs. Retired LAPD detective Greg Kading says Davis confessed to his role in the shooting during a 2009 plea agreement, in which his office gave Davis a reduced drug charge in exchange for testimony. The proffer agreement just simply says that when you sit down and talk to us, whatever you say that is self-incriminating, we won't use against you. Um, it's not immunity. Authorities say the other men in the car that night are all dead. Tupac's brother says the family still has questions. We're feeling grateful. We're in uh, shock to a certain de degree because it's been so long. There's still a lot of unanswered questions. We're cautiously optimistic. Today's hearing is an arraignment. The judge could also set the trial date. Davis will hear the charge against him and then could enter a plea. It's unclear if he has an attorney, but we know prosecutors plan to use Davis's own words to try and convict him. Chanel Hoda, guys, back to you. All right, Miguel, thank you. Coming up, it's college application season, and some hopefuls are using AI to write those essays. We've talked about that. Is that cheating? Does it influence a student's chances of getting in? We'll put it to a test with one university's director of admissions. But first, Simone Biles has already made history in her return to international competition, and today she is back in action. She's leading Team USA on a quest for gold where they're live, and we're going to talk about what it all means mm. For the Olympics in Paris, coming up right after this. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. 
from compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the True Crime Original. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna Book Club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back this morning on In-Depth. Today, the World Gymnastics Championship. Uh, yes, the action is heating up over in Belgium with Simone Biles leading the U.S. women into today's team final. That is right. And what happens there could go a long way toward shaping the U.S. roster at the Paris Olympics. NBC's Megan Fitzgerald is right there. You got the good ticket. Hey, Megan, good morning. Guys, good morning to you. I mean, what can we say about Simone Biles? She is absolutely incredible. She takes two years off. She comes back and it's like she never even left. She has been dominating this competition. So exciting to watch, making headlines left and right with these amazing moves that she does that only she can do. And of course, now the countdown is on to the team finals. It's just hours away. This morning, the excitement mounting as the U.S. women's gymnastics team is vying for their seventh straight world title. The team, led by legendary gymnast Simone Biles, who has dominated the competition from the start, already making history, becoming the first woman to execute the double pike vault on the international stage, an incredibly difficult skill that's now named after her. The team is heavily favored to win gold. For Biles, it's a full circle moment. A decade ago, the unknown 16-year-old vaulted onto the world stage right here in Belgium, going on to become the most decorated gymnast in history, the two-time Olympian memorably pulling out of multiple events at the Tokyo Games. Telling Hoda days later the immense pressure was taking a toll on her mental health. Physically, I feel good. I'm in shape. Um, Emotionally, that kind of varies on the time and the moment, you know. After a two-year break, taking time to marry the love of her life, Green Bay Packers star Jonathan Owens, Biles is back and stronger than ever, winning the U.S. Classics and the U.S. Championship this summer in dominating fashion. Telling Hoda recently, she's working to find balance on and off the mat. I think I have to take care of myself a little bit more and listen to my body. This time around, it's like being intentional, going to therapy, making sure everything is aligned. Another American to watch, emerging star, 21-year-old Shylise Jones, who managed to pull ahead of Biles on the uneven bars. The U.S. men's team also capturing bronze here at the World Championships and qualifying for next year's Games in Paris. 
And guys, keep in mind, look, this is the first time that the U.S. gymnastics men's team has medaled in nearly a decade. I had a chance to catch up with them yesterday. They were so stoked, so excited. They said this is a dream come true. It doesn't feel real. Now, of course, as for the women, we are expecting them to clinch gold tonight. But the action doesn't stop here. We're looking forward to the weekend for the individual competitions, where again, our girl Simone Biles is expected to shine. And look, Hoda, as you know, she broke the news to you that she's out here with sights set on Paris. Let's go. go. We're on the road. Um, (laughs) By the way, Megan, thank you. We're going to be watching her. We're going to be cheering her on live coverage of the women's team final coming up on Peacock later today. Go, Simone, go. And by the way, we'll be celebrating with the medal-winning U.S. men's team. They'll join us live on the third hour today. So the party won't stop. Uh Now, All right, Mr. Roker. Can you imagine having a, a, a move like that named after yes, you. How awesome. incredible is that? That's, that's amazing. All right, let's take a look. We've got some severe weather uh, coming from uh, the Great Lakes all the way down into the plains as part of a cold front that's going to change those temperatures. 10 million people at risk today. Severe weather from San Angelo up to Oklahoma City. Damaging wind, wind gusts of up to 75 miles per hour and softball-sized hail from Oklahoma City almost to Midland. That's a possibility we're going to be watching. Plus, very heavy rain, multiple rounds of training storms just staying on top for from Dallas, Longview, Texarkana. We are talking about some places that could be picking up to six inches of rain. So flash flooding is going to be a big problem stretching from Corpus Christi all the way to Little Rock. We're going to be watching that. And look at this. Tropical Storm Philippe has been out there since September 23rd. Right now, 150 miles north-northwest of St. Thomas, moving north at 9. But look at this forecast track. It could cause big problems for Bermuda, but as we get into Sunday, may make landfall in Maine. So we're going to be watching that as well and keeping a close eye. And that is your latest weather. Guys, Thank you. Thank you. Still ahead, Jill is joining us for our Pink Power series, and she is going to share a raw and revealing look at what it is like right now as she fights breast cancer. But first on the boost, we've got a record-setting leap. You're going to have to see this one to believe it. Coming up right after this. Who's ready for a boost? Let's Let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, more proof this morning that you are never too old to live your dream. So check out this. This is Dorothy Hoffner. She's from Chicago. Oh. Guess how old oh. she is? Yes. One oh what? What? No. She is setting a record for being the oldest oh person in the world to tandem skydive. She did this jump from 10,000 feet with oh. an instructor from the Whoa. West Parachute oh, wow. Association. Okay, by the way, this is not her first jump. She started jumping out of planes when she was 100. Unbelievable. Wow. Four years ago. Wow. Unbelievable. She landed safely. She says she's having so much fun. Oh, my god! She can't believe she gets to do this. You know what? She started at oh 100. So if you have a bucket list item. I mean, that's incredible. She sure doesn't look 104. Is that my insane? Golly. Wow. No, anyway. Okay. I love that. Hashtag goals. That's I had on Popstart. Remember watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom as a kid? Yeah. Well, guess what? It's coming back. What? NBC. Yes. We have your exclusive sneak peek. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Then Kaylee Hartong will get us ready for Sunday night's huge clash. It's Dallas. It's San Francisco. She's got a one-on-one with the Niners' undefeated quarterback. 